Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Peak Potential Success Show. My name is Fong Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, a business strategist, a real estate investor, a speaker, and also a best-selling author. Every single day, I have the opportunity to help my clients unlock the potentials and guide them to, the, to succeed. Now, more often than not, I see people not taking action, not reaching their potentials, uh, whether if it's going on to become a real estate investor, getting the business, going up on stage to speak, just because of one small thing. That one small thing could be the right connection, that, that extra strategy, that tip, that perception, that story, that, that, uh, that interview, or whatever it is to get them over that hump. And that's why I have this show, because I want you to watch this show and then realize that you could do everything that you wanted to do, reach that potential, maintain that potential, and then find a new peak potential and achieve the things that you've never even dreamed of. Today, I'm very, very happy and very, very honored to have this very special guest. This guy is pumped full of energy. He is passionate. He is fun to talk to. He always has this positive attitude and a great big smile on his face. He's an amazing real estate investor. He speaks. He goes up on stage. He's actually a really good boxer, too. Now, please welcome Polly. Hey, Fong. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm excited to be here. And I mean, the energy is going to really be bursting from the seams on this uh, show. We both have that high level of energy, and I'm excited to be here. I'm proud of you for having your own show, and uh, I hear it's doing really well, you know? You know, because the host is good, too. So. Well, thank you very much. Well, it takes one to know one, right? <laughs> your, your show is amazing because it's always great information for people who want to get into real estate and whatnot. Now, for people who don't really know you, can you kind of uh, tell us a little bit of your backstory, where you started off, what you did to become who you are today? Uh, yeah, thanks for asking. Um, I started out in uh, Montreal, Quebec, Canada. I, you know, I grew up in humble beginnings. I, I grew up with a single mom. And, uh, you know, we didn't have much. And, but because I felt early on, I wasn't really good at school. I had a learning disability, dyslexic. And, you know, I just didn't learn like everyone else. I mean, I was smart. I tried hard in school. But I just saw early on that I'm not going to be one of these guys that's going to go to college and, and get a degree. Now, I don't ever knock somebody going to college. I'm not one of those entrepreneurs that you know, say university and college, it don't do it. It's a complete waste of time. Um, I know people that went to college and it was a complete waste of time. And I know some people that are doing well, they're, they're business oriented, they're, they're doctors, they got a good degree that they can use. So I don't ever knock it. But early on, I knew that wasn't going to be my path. So I was always a good athlete. I was a good musician. I had this gregarious, you know, energy about me. And people would say, you should be an actor or whatever. And being growing up in the neighborhood I did, the only thing getting out of that neighborhood, I thought, was either doing it through one of those vehicles I just mentioned, like being an athlete or actor or musician. So I did all three. I Believe it or not, I did all three. I tried to get as good as I could. I, I had a lot of discipline. I never hung out with the... You know, I didn't ever do drugs or drinking or anything like that, which was prevalent in my neighborhood. I just was in the gym all the time and, and with the discipline and, you know, that focus I had, I ended up moving to California and I met my uncle from my dad's side, which I didn't even know my dad growing up. 
And I realized that my aunt and uncle were business people and they were in the property investment space. And so for the first time I was exposed to, you know, someone could make it being a business person, being in real estate. And I took a real great liking to it. I worked for free for my uncle. I learned a lot from him. I asked him questions. And early on, he said, you have something special. I didn't know I did because no one ever told me that growing up. But they said, my uncle was like, you're going to be something in your life. You just, you just need guidance. You need the blueprint. And I listened to him. And, you know, the rest is history. I started becoming an entrepreneur. I started businesses very young. I started my first business when I was 19. It was an audio business. It wasn't even in the real estate market. It was in sales and audio. And I didn't even realize I could be a salesperson. I just had that, that follow up and follow through attitude. And I could go out there and make my pitches. And even though people would like disrespect me and not always buy, obviously, you know, in sales, not everybody's gonna buy. And so, but I had the tenacity to keep going and I built a, a really good business. We, I took it from zero to multi-millions of dollars um, a year uh, and we had seven offices around the country and then I didn't know what to do with the money. So that's kind of how I went back to the real estate thing that I was exposed to when I first moved to California, you know, from the, the Montreal area when I first met my uncle. So that's kind of the backstory. I mean, obviously I had a lot of mentors uh, in between, you know, even though I'm dyslexic, I started self-educating myself. I found the passion. And when I found that passion, I started, you know, studying the greats, so to speak. I started reading books. And even though I can't read like most people, I would read a book four or five times to understand it, to dissect it. I would take notes on it. And then I would implement it. And kind of in a way, I was failing forward in my first business. I was just figuring it out. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes in my business. I would never claim I'm some guru business guy. I mean, you know, I was a street kid that came to America that just was willing to put in the work to follow up and follow through, make the calls, do the door-to-door -door sales, grow the business, not buy, not spend my money on stupidity, but put it back in my business and keep growing it. And um, you know, later on, having an abundance of money, I started building houses and started investing in in real estate and started learning that space more and more. So, and obviously now I'm in that space uh, 100% full time. Wow. Now, if you could think back to that very first time you had to sell that very first item, how did that, what was that feeling like? Uh, it was, it was really scary. I mean, uh, you know, I'm very honest. Like, you know, people always ask me when you were a boxer, when you were a kickboxer, were you scared to go and fight another guy? Of course I was scared. <laughs> all these guys on the interviews who say they're not scared, it's all BS. I mean, for me, you know, I think being afraid, fear is something we all go through, but that was the, I remember having to sell my first time without any guidance you know like when i first started selling audio i actually had a guy kind of teach me the pitch and later i changed the pitch i i wrote out a 27 page pitch and i internalized it and i i i was almost like an actor like i internalized it so well that most people hearing my pitch 
it wasn't robotic. It wasn't a sales pitch to where people thought it was a sales pitch. It was very natural and very, very strategic in the way I positioned the sale. And I remember being so nervous the first time going out there on my own. But even though I made mistakes and, you know, I fumbled the pitch and I was saying things, I, I disallowed it to get in my own head. I just stayed energetic and I kind of stuck to like just the focus of the sale. And I got that sale and I just felt so elated. It was on a Saturday. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was on a Saturday and I had to go and hook up the set of speakers that this uh, person bought off of me. And I, I remember just making that connection with this guy. And then I was leaving his house and I turned around and I said, do you want another set? I actually went back and tried to sell him a second set to wow. put him in the back so he would have like a surround sound. So I remember early on, I, I got that, I, got, I was bit by the bug. And you got to remember too, Fong, when I was 13 years old, I used to scalp tickets at the Montreal Forum in Canada. And ki people would come up to me, true story, they'd come up to me and they would say, are you lost, kid? Son, are you lost? I'm like, lost, I'm working the show, you need some tickets, you know? So I had that personality that I could talk to people, but it is scary, and especially when the knowledge is not 100% um, internalized, that becomes scary. I mean, going on stage, you know what, what you've been on stage. I've shared stages with you. Yeah scary we're backstage getting ready to you know talk in front of three thousand four thousand people i talked in front of ten thousand people am i scared of course i'm scared but you know what i went and did it i just go and do it i i disallow the fear to get in my way but that was the that was the thing that was the first thing for me i'll yeah. be honest yeah now you you've done so many amazing things you, you're you're on in a in a in a band you play the drums <laughs> You yeah. have, I'm assuming you've sung before too. <laughs> yeah, I, I play guitar, piano, all that stuff. Yeah. So you performed, <laughs> you, you've spoken on stages, you've, yeah. you've gone up against some pretty tough opponents when you're, you're boxing, right? Yes. You've done sales. Now think back to all these very first time of each one. Which one was the most difficult or most scariest or at the, where you were the most nervous? Going up on stage the first time to perform? going out and going to your first fight or speaking on stage or doing your first sale? What was the most nervous? Uh, definitely the fighting. Wow. That, definitely the fighting, yeah. The boxing was like I couldn't sleep. I mean, I, it was just <laughs> a terror, terror. I, it, I'll, I'll share this story. I, I remember, you know, even as a young amateur fighter, you know, I, I remember I used to pray that the guy got sick and didn't show up <laughs> and stuff like that. And I think we all as fighters and, you know, even sometimes in business when you're making a phone call, you don't really want that other person to, to answer. You're doing the work, but you're not really wholeheartedly wanting to be there because maybe the last 10 phone calls you got yelled at or hung up on. But, you know, going into the ring, I would, I literally would pray that the other, the other guy didn't make his physical or he didn't make weight or something and the fight would cancel. But the truth of the matter is, and I always refer back to what I'm, I'm sharing with you on this story is that the victory is always better than the fear. And I would end up, of course, the fight would end up happening and I was prepared. You know, I went to the gym, I ate well, I made 
my weight. I ran, I did my cardio. So I was ready to fight. I, you know, I, I had some good skills. I had good trainer and stuff like that. And I would go in and I would be afraid, but then I would win. And the winning, and I think everybody could uh, really relate to this is when you win, even in business or when you go on stage and you crush it and you feel good. Cause there's been times you've seen me where I didn't do well on stage in Edmonton. I stunk up the room. I was horrible, you know, and I'm honest about my successes and my failures because I'm not like insecure. I could talk about them openly and be humble about it or, you know, be somebody of, of authentic, an authentic nature when I talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I remember winning. And I think the winning drives you to keep going. And that's why I kept going and boxing and playing drums. I remember going on stage for the first time. I was so tense <laughs> and my arms were burning. And I was like, I don't even know if I can make it past this. And I was in shape back then. I wasn't relaxed. And I think the game is so quick when you first start business, speaking, coaching, you know, doing seminars, doing um, podcasts, the game is so fast that you forget to just relax. Yeah. And it's not about you. It's about the other people watching you. And it's about the victory at it. And it just takes time to relax and get really comfortable and confident what, what you're trying to do, you know, wh whatever field it is. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I always encourage my clients and especially younger people to really uh, broaden out their skill sets. If you're, if you're a, just a business person, you should go out and learn something, an, another language, a, a instrument, uh, a skill set, a sport, whatever it is. Have you found that having the background of, of your fights, uh, your performances on stage for singing or performance in, in music and all that, has all that contributed more to your success in, in business and also real estate? Oh yeah, that's a great question, Fong. Yeah, definitely, I, I gotta say that it, it's the discipline. It's, it's, it's having the focus and discipline to go through the, the, the threshold of pain, because it's pain. I, you know, I remember when I was a young kid and I, I, it was a Friday night and I'd be sweating in the gym and my trainer would be yelling at me, throw the left hand straighter and all this stuff. And, and I thought he didn't even like me. I mean, he was so disrespectful to me. But the thing is, is I remember sweating and my friends were at a party with, with girls and having fun. And I was in here getting yelled at by my trainer. And I remember thinking, why the hell am I even here, right? And I think, I think that's how I correlate it is I was there because I wanted to be, uh, I didn't want to be an average person. I wanted to be better than average. I wanted to be, strive for some type of greatness. And I think that all correlates to even business now for me. Uh, being a musician, learning and sitting and practicing on practice pads to get your rudiments on as a, as a drummer or, you know, going, doing vocal uh, exercises or learning chords on a guitar, learning the piano and, and so on. It all correlates to the discipline and focus that it takes. If you want greatness, you have to sacrifice. And I don't even like using that word sacrifice because it's really not a sacrifice when you're getting better in life. Mm -hmm. You know, I just think it's like a commitment more than a, sa a sacrificial thing that you're doing. It's commitment. It's staying focused and really wanting to be something different. I, I remember some, sometimes people would, 
you know, doubt you. And, you know, I'm sure some of my teachers said, man, this kid, he can't even read that well. He, his spelling is horrible. He, he can't focus in math or whatever. It's just because it didn't capture me. When, like when I played drums, it captured me. When I boxed, it, something inside of me captured me. When I speak on stage and I'm helping others, that, that it captured me. It, it gave me purpose. It gave me passion. Doing reading and doing like arithmetic and, and writing out some story and, and having this uh, spelling bee or something, that didn't capture me. I just, I was like, that, it doesn't interest me. And I think a lot of people listening to this, they have to understand that we're all different. And I don't judge anybody. I don't care, like, just because I don't drink and smoke and do drugs. and what, I don't ever judge. If someone wants to do it, you know, they want to take that path in life, I, I would encourage them not to. But if they do, they do. You know, right. it is their prerogative. I, who am I to tell them what to do? I, I, don't, I just give people my blueprint, what I've learned through my mentors, my coaches, and what has, um, like, what my success is. And if someone wants to follow that blueprint, that success leaves clues, mm -hmm. then follow it. If not, then, you know, listen, you, some people don't want to be successful. Some people, they just don't want to. And they're okay being, you know, working for somebody else. That's fine, too. I don't ever judge anybody for that. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't call them, like, I've heard entrepreneurs say he's a loser, whatever. You know, not everybody's going to be an entrepreneur. You right. know what I mean, buddy? Yeah, so throughout your, your, your answer there, you talked a lot about your mentors and your coaches. Yes. Uh, it's, very, it's very common to have mentors and coaches when you're doing, uh, when you're doing a sport, as boxing, and yes. also in, in music. So how Absolutely. come not many people think about having a coach or a mentor in a business or real estate realm? And how does that actually help you get to where you are today? Oh, fantastic. It, to be honest, when, when I was young, I didn't know there was coaches for business. I knew there was coaches as an athlete, uh, you know, like a drum teacher to teach you rudiments and, and patterns and grooves, um, you know, but like as I got older and I got into business, see, I didn't overanalyze like a lot of people in business. They overanalyze it. They don't have their website. They don't have their cards right. They don't have their shirts right. Their, their branding's not right. Their market. Me, I just did it. And then I figured it out. I failed forward. I was making money. I got the profitability the first week in business as, a, as an audio salesperson. And then somehow I was like, if I can do this, then I'll just put an ad in the paper and I'll teach other people how to sell. So I showed them my straight line kind of to, to a sale in that aspect. And I didn't really know what I was doing. But then as I got passionate about business, I started seeing some self-help books, you know, like Anthony Robbins, even back then, and uh, uh, Jim Rome, and all these people. And then, you know, meeting my uncle and seeing how of a positive person he was, how honorable he was to people, character, my aunt and uncle were fantastic together. They had another business. So I had those, I had the blueprint set out in front of me. But it's when I became a real businessman is when I hired a real coach, which was JT Fox. As you guys know, uh, JT was my first real coach. I had some mentors and some, I would pay for like little boot camps here and there in the real estate space. But it wasn't until I, I found someone that can reposition 
the way I thought about business. I didn't have business acumen. I didn't know really what branding was, marketing was. I, I was willing to do the work. I could always sell. How you sell is how you succeed. But I, I just needed the positioning, the, the branding, the authority, the celebrity branding help, help people understand who I was. So people started bringing me deals now. And, and all those things happened where when I actually got, you know, JT to coach me and, you know, and I, I'm a very loyal person. I've had a lot of other coaches and people and people approach me and want me to coach for their programs. And I always said, no, cause I'm going to stick to the guy that brought me basically to the dance. Um, he's always been honest to me. And there was, there was this um, connection that happened where, you know, there's a lot of times you're, you're not happy with your coach. I remember my trainer. There was a lot of times I didn't like my trainer. I'll be honest with you. It's not that I didn't like him. It's just like he was hard on me, but he got me results. And I think that's the first time I started really having that, um, that business mindset. The acumen grew. Uh, I understood all the terminologies. I, I wasn't just a hustler anymore in a sense. And just hustling and working hard and grinding, I started actually becoming a businessman. And that was the difference for me. Mm. Wow. Now, during this period of time, there's a lot of uh, economic downturn. There's lots yeah. of people who's lost their jobs or they're at home. And they're realizing, hey, maybe we need to do something different. Maybe we, we can't rely on our jobs for the rest of our lives. And they're thinking about jumping into real estate. So yeah. this is the very first time they're going to go out there and start doing real estate, becoming an investor. What would be the first three steps you would recommend people do when they jump into real estate? Uh, the number one thing is actually get the knowledge first. I mean, there's a, a very high percentage, uh, somewhere in the 80 percentile, where most people lose their money in real estate. And it's not because they're not good or they're not willing to work. It's because they don't understand the numbers. It's how you buy. We make our money. You know this, Fong. You're in the real estate space. You, you make your money when you buy. And you understand how to buy. And there's a formula that we use as an investor. So those are very important things that you need to have the blueprint. I mean, I, I didn't just jump into real estate. Now, I jump into a lot of things. And I've mentioned that before. But with real estate, it's, you're talking about high ticket items. It's not like buying a set of speakers from China and, and shipping them over here to America and selling them or a home theater system. You're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you really want to hone your skills, get some uh, uh, a coaching, you know, read a lot of books. That's, that's the first thing I would do. Then I would build a team. The, I would get a great real estate agent. Remember, realtors don't cost you anything. A lot of people are like, I don't really need a real estate agent. You know, there's a lot of good real estate agents. Sometimes they get a bad name you know, because they don't answer their phone and, and they're not doing much. Some of those realtors are not really the professionals. They're, they're like a teacher who's a realtor or a fireman that's a realtor. You want to find somebody that's a professional that will work for you. And then you have to understand how to communicate with them. So you need a good real estate agent. You need to raise money, at least one or two good money people that because you're not going to have hundreds of thousands of dollars at first when you start a business. Your credit should be good. I've hear a lot of gurus say, you don't need credit. You don't need to use your own money, all that stuff. Yeah, there's validity to what they're saying. But 
I could honestly say keeping your credit is very important because then you could leverage bank money. Mm -hmm. And that's important too. And then I, I, I definitely say you need a good closing attorney, you know, someone that, uh, that understands the way investors like us do deals. Cause it's not just a regular mom and dad selling their house, you know, and it's just in perfect condition. We do a lot of creative financing. We buy foreclosures. We do double closings. We do short sales, all these, these, you know, things, these, these avenues that we take to close a deal. You have to have somebody on the other end when they're closing that deal to understand that. And uh, last but not least, you have to have a good contract or someone that you can trust. Maybe not a handyman, maybe not the most expensive contractor, somebody in the middle, maybe a young up and comer that really wants to impress and, you know, somebody that wants to work and grow and, and it's the way you position and talk to that person. So I always tell that's a part of your team. And then another one is you need to learn how to sell. Mm -hmm. If you cannot sell, if you can't get on the phone or door knock or talk to people like of the ones that I just mentioned here to create this team, uh, you're going to have a very difficult time making it in this business. And a lot of people don't. And, you know, I, I tell the truth. Like, I don't just say anybody can do this, <laughs> you know, buy my program. You know, I don't do that because it's yeah. not, I'm not about that. I think anyone can, if they focus and they do the work and they do the follow up and follow through and learn how to sell. You mm -hmm. got to learn how to sell and, and you got to learn how to communicate. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm sure a lot of people watching right now can absolutely feel that energy coming from you. Yeah, I feel it from you coming, too. Right? <laughs> now, it's, I, I know from talking to you before that you really don't sleep a lot and no. you don't eat a lot. No. So where, where, does that energy come from? How do you bottle that up? You know, I think it's within. I've always kind of been an energetic kid. And like, I mean, my teachers, they, they like me. I was a good kid in school, you know. But they would always tell my mom, you know, like, he just doesn't stop talking. You know? <laughs> and I think things have not changed over the years. But I used to tell my teachers, I said, one day this big mouth's going to make me money. And they said, all right, finish up your homework and stuff like that. But I, I just think it's within you. Obviously, I, like I mentioned earlier, I don't do any substances. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. Uh, you know, and I'm very, um, how do I say it? Like, I'm very focused, you know, like even with my wife, you know, we have a great relationship with the kids and my friendships. You know, I, I practice great character and loyalty and principles. And I think when you don't have a mess of things going on, you can have that energy bottled up for the things that really get you to that next level. And of course, you know, I, I eat pretty well. Like, you know, I mean, I do like my sugar. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Every now and then I cheat a little bit, but you know, I train, you know, I train four or five times a week. I'll do something physical like to this morning before we got on this call uh, on this Zoom call here and to do the show. I, I did an hour and 15 minutes on my elliptical. I lifted a little bit of weights. I drank my juicing. I do a lot of juicing, you know, vegetable juice. So you get a lot of energy when you have that kind of mindset. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Now, Right now, the world's your stage. Imagine the world's your stage. You yeah. have this time right now to tell everybody in the world a certain message. What message would that be? 
the number one thing, and I think that holds everybody back, we touched upon it before, was the fear. Mm-hmm. It, it, it cripples so many people. And it's sad to watch because I, I know you have a lot of students and you coach people, Pong. I do too. And you know, like the, the number one thing I think that holds them back is the fear, the fear of not knowing, the fear of failing and all of that. So I always tell people, you know, even with the coronavirus, what happened and the economy, like you mentioned earlier, it's, it's uncertain. I just keep going and I'll, I'll share this story. I remember when I first started, when I was I first started growing my audio business and I was a really young guy at the time. I was in my early 20s, maybe 22 years old. And I was fairly successful at that time uh, for a 22 year old. I had hundreds of thousands of dollars liquid. Okay. And I started that business and I, I never spent money. It was weird. Like I never went out and, and did, you know, run around and gamble and stuff like that. So I just, I saved my money. I'm like, I'll just put it back into my business and keep growing a business. But I remember in Northridge, uh, California, we had a big earthquake in 1994, 93, 94. And none of my guys wanted to work that day uh, or the following day. And I'm like, no, every day is a work day. And I had that, that really good discipline. But I remember thinking in my own head, and this story is really good for what the, what the times are we're in right now. And I remember in my own head, I was like, yeah, they're, they're kind of right. That, you know, probably no one's going to really want to buy from us. They're probably going to think that we're bad people because here there's been lives hurt and, and lost in this earthquake. And, you know, it's total devastation in Northridge. And we live very close to the epicenter and we're out here selling door to door, basically. How, how crazy is that? So we all went out that day because I still said, let's go full force ahead. And I think our mindset was so bad that at the end of the day, there was only one sale that happened in the whole office. Now we normally on average did three to six sales a day. Any, any one of the tandem, uh, uh, pairs of groups that went out and sold. And I had seven uh, audio vans that went out and did installations and did the sales and things like that. So there's a, a good 14 people, seven vans, one sale that day. And it was because of the mindset. And I remember, and I was the one who did the sale too. And I didn't even really make money. I just, I almost did the sale at cost. I, I remember I made a couple 20 bucks or something. And I just did the sale just to say I did a sale. But when I got back and I saw each van come in and my guys all said, no, man, everybody was negative today. Nobody wanted to buy. And I heard all the excuses. Mm -hmm. It made me really realize like it was me as a leader that I didn't lead. And so I remember going home that day and I was really angry. I get angry when I, when I don't do well. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I hope any entrepreneur does when they don't do well. I get very, very angry. So I went home and I was so disgusted in myself because I didn't lead these people. So the very next day, I said, I'm not going to talk about the earthquake. I'm not, when I go to sell, even if the person I'm selling wants to talk about it, I get off the subject, back <laughs> to focus. I'm selling these, the, the home theater set or the speakers that I'm selling. I'm going to focus on the sale, on the sale, on the sale. And that very next day, all of a sudden with that new mental fortitude and attitude, 
I went out there and I, and I slayed it. I, I did eight sales that day. Matter of fact, I sold six. I drove back to the warehouse and reloaded my, my truck and went back out and I did two more sales after that because we would load the truck with six uh, systems. You know, and I sold out the first six and I went back and got another six and sold another two. And I came back that day and I was excited. And some of my guys were there when I got back because we would come back at around six o'clock at night. We would leave at nine and we would sell all day and take breaks and lunch and whatnot. Right. Nobody was really looking at these guys. So it was really a self starting thing. And make a long story short, there was two vans in before me and I asked them, what did you do? And uh, my, my buddy, Rich, who's still a friend of mine right now, he goes, I did a zero, man, same as yesterday. I said, bullshit. And then he's, then uh, Marty, my other buddy, Marty, who I'm still friends with today, he says, um, I did a zero too. I'm like, that's bullshit. They said, well, what did you do? And I said, I did eight sales. And their knee-jerk <laughs> reaction was, oh, you didn't do them. But then, of course, I had my tandem partner, and he was jumping up and down saying, yes, he did. Yes, he did do them. And, of course, I pulled out the knot of cash to show them. But the, the moral of the story is the rest of the, the, the bands came in, and they all did donuts. And that's what we used to call it back in the day. Donuts was the zero. And I remember the very – and I had the speech to them. I used to talk to my sales guys every day to pump them up, motivate them. And I said it was really all in my mind. I failed yesterday because I allowed, I allowed the bull crap of, of, you know, thinking that people would think I was selfish because I'm selling after the day after an earthquake and there was, you know, bad, it was bad times for us. It's the same thing with coronavirus right now. And you know what I did? I just kept going. And I readjusted my, my mindset and I, and I urge people listening to your show, Funk, and I know you're like this too, is you can separate yourself from what the masses are doing. Yeah. And I think that's what a real leader does. And lo and behold, to end this story, the very next day that my guys went out, we got back to normal and started selling like we normally did, three to six sales. And the moral of this story is you got to just keep going and do not allow, you know, your mindset to get in your way. Your worst enemy is you. I, I remember my worst enemy in the gym when I was a fighter was me. I, I, I would get in my own way. And, you know, even as a drummer, like I would be so intense. I, I shared with you guys earlier. I was so tense that I couldn't play as good as I could play in the comforts of my own basement when nobody was looking. And I had to learn how to just relax and go through it and, and, and have such practice, so much practice, so much knowledge that when it was time for game time, whether it's in business, music, and sport, when it was game time, the game was slow. It's, you slow it down by just going and focusing and knowing your craft. And that's what I would tell people. Uh, I know it's kind of long-winded, but it's so true, man. Just keep going. Do not let anything hold you back, you know? Oh, that, that's awesome. Like I said, very inspiring and very motivating. Thank so you, thank, thank you for all your great stories. Now, just a quick few questions to for people no and who you are. Uh, very short, one one-sentence answers, okay? We're going to say, if you had the opportunity 
to go to any concert of any person there alive, who would you go and attend? Led Zeppelin, my favorite <laughs> band. I love Led Zeppelin, and I wish Bonham was alive, the drummer. I would love to see them live as a, as a total unit like they used to be back in the 60s and 70s. Awesome. Now, you have Led Zeppelin for dinner, and yes. your, your, your task is to cook them your most famous dish. What dish would that be? Uh, well, I do this Italian sandwich that's to die for. I melt the cheese in there and stuff, and I very seldom have them because they're not healthy. But I get the Italian sausage, and I do like the, the mixed vegetables, and I fry them up a little bit in the pan, and I melt the cheese on there. That's what I would do. Okay. If you had the opportunity to co-star beside any actor, which actor would that be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would definitely probably say, uh, I, I would say De Niro, you know, I, I, I think a lot of men would probably say De Niro. I think uh, everybody thinks I'm a mob guy anyway, so I might as well be in one of those mob stories, you know. And then, and then the last quick one here, if you were in a circus, what role would you play? Would you, are you the ringmaster, the lion tamer, the tightrope rocker? Which, which role would you be doing? Uh, definitely the ringmaster. I, I like to lead, you know, I, I kind of have that, but, uh, you'd be surprised. I I'm pretty, I, I, I when I was younger, I could do back springs and backflips and juggle and all that. I, I was never a bored kid. I'd go out to the park and I'd practice, you know, I'd see it on TV and I, I'd, I'd almost kill myself, but I'd figure it out, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and one more thing. You build lots of houses. Yes. Right. How would you relate success to a house? Uh, well, the success to a house is if, if I told somebody to build a house and gave them all the tools and the hammers and whatnot and the blueprints even, just the blueprints, and they never done it, they would be like, well, where do I start? You, I know you gave me the blueprints, but I don't even know how to read these things. Mm -hmm. And I think success needs the, the, the coaching and it needs the guidance and it needs the clues that people go through. So I, what I would do is slow it down and teach people how to build it so that they can continuously make money by building houses. So that's how I determine uh, success by understanding and getting the knowledge. And that in turn gives you success. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Very entertaining. A lot of great stories. And thank you, buddy. Out to you. How, how, what's the best way to contact you? Uh, you know, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, you know, like I said, I don't have no, I don't try to sell anything. I help people for free a lot of times. I know I'm, I'm, I'm we're starting to do some stuff with JT now on webinars and we're going to help a lot of the uh, people in the organization and people that are not. So uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, you know, uh, Twitter, I hardly ever get on, even though I have an account, I, I'm never on there and uh, LinkedIn. So, just reach out to me if you have any questions. I'm always available to answer. And you know, when you text me, do I text back? People are like, dude, you, what do you live on this phone? I'm like, yeah. I mean, it, was, it was like instant. It was like late at night and you're still up. <laughs> yeah. I'm always up. I only sleep four or five hours a day. That's it. Um, That's all I need, you know? I never slept a lot because I had so much to do when I was a kid. So I got so used to this. Um, a schedule. So I, I'm, I'm pretty good with the schedule. And I, for 
and I can't go to bed at like nine or 10. It's like 12, one o'clock at night and I get up at five and I'm ready to rock. <laughs> well, once again, thank you very much for being here. It was an, an honor to have you on my show. And for our viewers, thank you very much for watching the, the Peak Potential Success Show. My name is Fong Chua. We'll see you next time. But until then, today is the day to unlock your peak potential. We'll see you next time.